for this Missions Fest, uh, we wanted to do a little bit, something a little bit different. We actually wanted uh, one of our own to, to preach the gospel and to preach the word this morning. And, and the person that we have today is someone that works with a lot of missionaries around the world. And many of those missionaries have said, oftentimes have said this thing about this person. No one loves, no one loves us like he does. That's the person that is going to bring the word this morning. It's the same person that during the time that he's been part of WBC, the Lord has used to bring a ton of people to the feet of Jesus. That's the person that is bringing the word this morning. It, it is a person that whenever he hears or sees what the gospel does, his tendency is to weep, which I really like because I'm part of that club. <laughs> and number four... This person that is bringing the word of God this morning is a pastor of pastors. He's a pastor that in our staff has a heart for all of us and tends to pastors, pastor all of us. And number five, this is a person that I could ascribe a word that the Puritans used to use, and it's the word unction. It's more than anointing. It's a person that the Lord has given this unction to preach and share his word. What that means is that he doesn't have to say a lot. Because when he opens his mouth, the Lord uses them in amazing ways. So it is my pleasure and a blessing to introduce to you guys for the preaching of God's word, Bill Overlin. Thank you, brother. Good morning, familia. Have you gotten the hint that you're a part of something bigger? I'm thrilled to be a part of a church family led by a Colombian where we gather and in this building worship in Spanish and English and Arabic and French and Khmer. Because our God is so great and our shepherd is so good that one language and culture would be woefully inadequate to express his praise. Amen. Amen. Together with our missionaries and uh, indigenous leaders in 52 nations, we're privileged to share in God's grand mission to bless all peoples through Christ. We're part of this together because Christ has broken through our darkness and given us light and life. In the opening to his gospel, the Apostle John writes, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. The Word became flesh and moved into our neighborhood. We have seen the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. Later in his gospel, John records Jesus' own words as Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness but will have the light that gives life. I want to ask you to stand in reverence for God's word as we read together our anchor scripture for today. 
uh, from the Gospel of Matthew. Let's read together as Jesus speaks to us, his followers. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Thank you. You may be seated. I want us to think about the word pictures that Jesus gives us. He asks, do people light a lamp and then stick it under a bowl? <laughs> How absurd. No, they put it on display in their home and it gives light to everyone in the house. Your lamp might give light to a small circle. Those in your home, your family, your circle of friends, co-workers, or neighbors but it makes all the difference to those close to you. Your light might shine on a bigger stage. Your light might catch strangers' eyes from afar. A collection of many small lights can draw others to a place of resources and safety. A you can't hide a town that sits on a hill. The light and warmth of the community are obvious for miles around. Friends, you and I become channels of Christ's light for fellow humans in the dark when we live in connection with Jesus. Jesus urges you, don't hide your light. Put it on its stand and let it shine. Christ's light shines through his people's good works. My heart rises up when I see the faces of the people in the videos we watched this morning. Those touched by what our missionaries and indigenous partners, what you as a church family uh, are doing. Something within me says, yeah, keep it going. Keep it going. I've been on the ground in the refugee camps in Lebanon, and I admire so deeply our partners who are providing vocational training to young adults there with disabilities. I want Robert to have the textbooks he needs for the 1,300 boys and girls in his school in Uganda. I'm proud of the graduates of Kids Alive who become leaders in their churches and towns and professions in the Dominican Republic. Families and communities see the efforts of these servants of Christ for them and gratitude gets lifted to God. I want us to watch this video as we think about marginalized Roma children in Greece who are being served through our partners with Hellenic Ministries. The Roma people are the largest ethnic minority in Europe with an estimated quarter million residing in Greece. 
Commonly known by the term gypsy, they are largely characterized by the situation of social exclusion and wide-ranging poverty. Lack of education, unemployment, and poor health conditions make life difficult for the Roma people. Petaluda Educational Center emerged in the town of Analosha in order to improve the quality of life in the Roma community. The meaning of Petaluda is butterfly. In the same way that a caterpillar needs time to grow before it can fly, the Petaluda Center wants to see growth in the community of Analosha. By identifying their needs and mobilizing resources, the Petaluda Center is on its way to achieve positive and sustainable change in Analosha. The Petaluda Center shares the transformational power of Jesus Christ with the community, giving them the opportunity to learn to read and write, to apply for jobs, and to learn new skills and much more. I'm a taxi driver with my mother, who's been in Petaluda for two years, and I've learned a lot. And now I'm going to school. I'm very happy to be here. As our ministry grows, we need more staff. Uh, there are many children in need, and uh, right now we don't have the human resources to, to meet those needs. And so we need people like you to partner with us financially, to help us to, to hire local people with, uh, with the qualifications to, to serve in this center. So we can continue to reach uh, the Roma people uh, for Christ. So that's a glimpse of what God is doing as I pull down a flag. <laughs> Christ's love, Christ's light shines through his people's works and it also shines through his people's words. Jesus stretched his disciples' boundaries uncomfortably when he commanded them, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. 30 years on from that message on the mountain, the apostle Peter wrote to first generation Gentile Christ followers in what is now Turkey, telling them, you are a chosen people that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were nobodies, but now you're the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Live such good lives among those who don't know God so that though they accuse you of doing wrong, your good deeds may prove otherwise and they can't help but glorify God. These new Gentile believers were being ostracized and persecuted in their own culture because of their allegiance to Jesus above Caesar or the gods of the Roman Empire. Peter reminds them 
Don't forget Jesus suffered for you. He stood in your place and took the punishment due you at the cross so he could bring you home to God. When they hurled their insults at him, he didn't retaliate. When Christ suffered, he didn't spit out threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to the judge who judges things rightly. And so, you believers, if you're ostracized or you're persecuted, just be ready to give an answer to everyone who asks you to explain this hope that you have. And do it with gentleness and reverence. What happens when believers living in a culture hostile to them return blessings for insults and injuries? What happens when they choose forgiveness instead of retaliation when they're wronged? Four years ago on Palm Sunday, Nassim, a security guard of St. Mark's Church in Egypt, put his, whole, put his hand on the shoulder of a young man who was anxious to push by the gate. The man detonated a suicide vest hidden beneath his clothes. Forty-six people died in the explosion in that city and in a church nearby. The count would have been much higher had Nassim not put himself between the bomber and the crowded church. Days later, a national news crew came to the home of Nassim's widow and children. I want you to watch the screen and pay attention to the words of Nassim's wife and also to the response of the news anchor from the Muslim majority who witnessed her response. يفكروا صدقيني لان هم لو فكروا احنا ما بنعملهمش اي حاجه صدقيني ما بنعملهمش حاجه لهم فكروا تاني فكروا ان انتوا بتعملوه ده صح ولا غلط وربنا يسامحكم واحنا مسامحينكم بامانه بقولها مسامحكم وصدقيني لان انتوا حطيتوا لي ابو ولادي في مكان ما كنتش اتمنى العمر كله صدقيني بامانه يعني انا عمري انا بفتخر بيه وبتمنى اكون انا جنبه صدقيني يا بنتي واشكرك يا حبيبتي أقباط مصر مصنوعين من فولاذ أقباط مصر مئات السنين بيتحملوا كوارث ومصايب كتيرة القبط المصري يعشق تراب بلده القبط المصري يتحمل كل شيء عشان وطنه وإيه كمية التسامح اللي عندكوا دي لو أعدائكوا يعرفوا قد إيه أنتم متسامحين بجد ما كانش حد يصدق ده أنا لو أبويا والله ما أقول كده أبدا الناس دي عندها كمية تسامح عن حق عن عقيدة دول بني آدمين 
والله مصنوعين من مادة تانية الله يرحمه عم منسيم بطل وشهيد ومثل أعلى للي قاعد كل واحد في البلد دي يقول لك هي البلد دي ايه والبلد دي ماشيه ازاي؟ البلد دي ماشيه كده. البلد دي ماشيه بالصبر بالجلد بالتحمل بالست العظيمه دي بالعيال اللي خلف ما ماتش ده رباهم وعمل رجاله رجاله What secret sauce gives Christ followers in Egypt the ability to give grace to those who give them grief. It's the same secret sauce we can have when we recognize that we've been called out of darkness into a wonderful light. when we recognize that God has been so kind to us, so overwhelmingly generous to us, we show forgiveness because each of us has been shown a truckload of pardon. We seek peace with others because Christ extended goodwill to us in Christ when we were living as his enemies. We love because Jesus loved us first. We shine because the glory of God in the face of Christ has lit up our hearts. Christ's light shines through his people's good works, through his people's good words, and Christ's light shines brightest in dark circumstances. The Apostle Paul writes to believers in Philippi in, in Eastern Greece, and he says to them, my dear friends, Continue to work out in your life what it means to be a person saved or rescued by God. Do this with, with reverence and trembling. For God is at work in you in order to act and fulfill his purposes. Would you read this verse with me together? Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. Somebody suggested to me once that there are only two languages in the world. I'm thinking, no. There's French, there's Spanish, there's German, there's Mandarin, there's Indonesian. There, there are all these different languages, and Juan said, no, there are two languages, the language of the kingdom of darkness, which is complaint and contention, and the language of the kingdom of light, which is gratitude and grace-giving. Human culture can become bent on grumbling and arguing. What's bad about others and why we're against them? I wonder, as the church, how different are you and I? My wife and I, a uh, number of weeks ago, went up to Door County for a little getaway, and while we were there in a market, I saw this little plaque 
uh, and it said this, I bought my husband a get better soon card. He's not sick, I just think he could be better. (laughs) Hey, I resemble that remark. As Christ followers, are we better? We claim to be citizens of the kingdom of light, but do we spew out the language of the kingdom of darkness in our critical, complaining, polarizing Facebook posts? Do our words cloud or shine, or are our words given sway by the Holy Spirit to lift thanks to God and live thoughtfully in how we speak and interact with others? Is our culture becoming more corrupt? I don't know, but when skies darken, even small lights shine brightly. A few Friday evenings ago, Pastor Hannibal shared in our leaders' meeting uh, that he's hopeful as he recognizes that what we have as the church is what the world says it wants, a community of grace and belonging. How many times have you heard recently uh, in our culture, in our, in our common speech, uh, we want to see the value and dignity of every person upheld. Women should be treated with honor, free from harassment and abuse. We want leaders who lift up others rather than promote themselves. We want to know harmony and see the walls of racism and classism melt away. But all these values are stolen from Scripture. All of these values come from the Word of God counter to the cultures in age after age. It seems that that the ideals we want are most clearly and beautifully illustrated in the person of Jesus. The world wants the kingdom but doesn't know the king. The world wants the blessings but they're found when we bow before the throne of grace. Two of my kids are songwriters, and I like to listen to what they write and record. My daughter wrote these words, out of our darkest days, Jesus, you made a way. You called us out of the deepest void. You whispered your grace above all the noise. We're alive now that we hear your voice calling to us, Jesus. A little over a decade ago, British columnist Matthew Paris wrote in the Times, the most trusted national newspaper in the UK, my recent trip to Malawi refreshed a belief that I've been trying to banish my whole life since my childhood in Africa. 
Although I'm an atheist, I just can't refute the enormous positive contribution of Christian evangelism in Africa. In Africa, Christianity changes people's hearts. The rebirth is real. The change is good. Our newspaper supports an organization called Pump Aid to provide clean water in remote villages, and I went to see their work there. I was most impressed by some of the African members of Pump Aid who were strong Christians. Now, it would suit me to believe that their honesty, diligence, and optimism was unconnected from Christianity. But the fact is, though their work was secular, it was surely affected by what their faith taught them. Christianity, with its direct personal two-way link between a person and God, liberates. And removing Christian evangelism from the African equation may leave the continent at the mercy of a malign fusion of Nike, the witch doctor, the mobile phone, and the machete. Dr. Robert Woodbury has shared his research with the economic faculties of Harvard and MIT. In his research, as he notes in an article published in 2012, historical demonstrates these are the outcomes of the presence and work of Protestant missionaries in developing nations over decades. Number one, those countries today, compared to countries around them, are more economically developed and have lower government corruption. They have stronger and more stable democracies, lower infant mortality and comparatively better health. They have greater literacy rates, more publishing and higher educational attainment, especially for women more engagement in philanthropic or charity associations, such as abolition of slavery and caring for those marginalized. They demonstrate greater preservation of ethnic languages and protection of aboriginal peoples. It seems Dr. Woodbury's research tells us that where the gospel goes, good follows. Christ brings light. Your shine matters. Um, Just a brief detour. One of the earliest facial portraits of Christ we have is uh, from the 500s, from a, a magnificent church building in Istanbul, that's known as Hagia Sophia, the saint of wisdom. Here's a picture of that portrait, and here's a picture of the building that it sits in. Uh, Centuries later, uh, Islamic armies conquered Istanbul, and the church was converted into a mosque, and the portrait of Jesus was painted over. Uh, But in subsequent years, Uh, it was rediscovered and restored 
And this portrait is actually a mosaic made of tiny colored tiles, one by one by one by one, which together form a distinct image of the face of Jesus. Later, beginning around the seventh century, mosaic images were given brighter expression in the form of stained glass windows. The sun radiates through shards of glass of different shapes and colors which together portray a vivid image. Could it be that in a similar way, distinct and diverse believers present a colorful and inviting mosaic of Christ to the world? You and I might be different and our status, capabilities, our personalities, our skills, our platforms, our life situations, but Christ's light shines in various hues through each of us. You may be a nurse, a teacher, a corrections officer, uh, a business executive of integrity, a student athlete, an artist, a loving spouse, or parent, or child. But facets of Jesus' grace and truth, his goodness and integrity shine through his people. I want to ask you, how does the shade and shape of your shard of glass add to Christ's portrait that the world sees? Is his light being refracted through you, radiating through you, perhaps alongside others, to say to the world, hey, this is Jesus? Because Jesus says, you are the light of the world. He's not talking about the church as an institution or creeds or programs. He's talking about you as a person are a light to the world. Susan, Mike, Abdul, Kaniki, Zachariah, Lois, Peggy, Jim, Jan, Steve, you are the light that the world needs. And wherever you go, Christ's light in you goes too. The world is desperate for a little more illumination for another piece in the puzzle. So let your little lamp shine. Together with others on a hill, be a beacon. Let your piece of glass in the mosaic matter. Well, I see I'm getting close to the end of my time. Before I close, I want to tell you just a little bit about my story, and then I want to ask you about your story. Um, I became a follower of Christ when I was in high school, uh, really through the Jesus movement of the 70s. 
And I started to ask myself as a young man, how can I live my life as a thank you back to Jesus? How can I shine? And I realized I can honor God by serving others. That prompted me to, to follow a career as a special education teacher, for my wife and I to volunteer in the youth uh, group of our church. Later, my wife informed me I'm supposed to be a pastor. Uh, led us, us as a family to become an adoptive family. And, and as uh, things developed in my life, I began to notice that God was placing within me a growing interest in and heart for those of other cultures and backgrounds, especially those with little opportunity to hear of Christ. And it's remarkable to me that uh, a kid who grew up in rural Ohio, uh, a God would pick and say, hey, I'm going to send you to the other side of the world so you can use your professional background and education uh, to teach uh, 20-somethings in universities in Indonesia. Over our, our, eight, uh, our seven years in Indonesia, I had 3,000 students who came through my classes, and I got to serve each of them with the love of Christ and representing Him and what I say and do and how I serve. Later, as our family returned to the States, uh, I've had the opportunity to welcome refugees from the nations and seen many of them become some of my best friends. I love it. Maybe sometime I'll get to tell you more about my story, but I want to cue you in on my two mixed motives. The first is, I want to shine as Christ's ambassador uh, because I want to live up to my calling to be worthy, to live worthy of what Jesus deserves. That's my noble motive. I also have, you know, a more selfish motive, FOMO. You know, fear of missing out. Because what I've realized as my life has unfolded is that the risks and the rewards and the rich relationships and the adventures in my life that have been meaningful and joyful have come from following Jesus and saying, yeah, I want to let your light shine through me my life would be so bland if I wasn't following Jesus. But walking with him, it's anything but. I want to ask you about your life. Jesus' words imply that you should be on purpose. You should be intentional. Let your light shine so that God gets the honor. I want to give you three don'ts for your life. Number one, don't hide your light. Be the shade and shape of glass that you are and get your shine on. Number two, 
Don't hide your light. And number two, don't fool yourself that God's flavor selection for your life is vanilla. Familiar, safe, easy. If God's mission is to bring mercy and blessing within reach of all peoples, doesn't it make sense that he wants you to have a share in it? Assume he has a role for you in bringing the light of Christ to those most in the dark. Just a for instance, in the coming months, as many as 150 Afghan families and singles will arrive in our community. They'll travel 7,000 miles and a whole world away from Kabul to Chicago. I wonder if you and I are willing to bridge the last three feet with our friendship. You've already heard the call to be a part of our GO teams. Maybe God might even call you to a new career, a new profession, a new season of life overseas. Don't rule it out. Just put your yes on the table. Say, Lord, I'm willing. My yes is on the table. I'll let you put it on the map. Don't hide your light. Don't assume God's flavor selection for your life is vanilla. And, and finally, don't shortchange his power working in you. Your wattage is not limited to your resources. He's not wanting to snuff out your wick, but to fan your flame. I love this passage from the prophet Isaiah that talks about Jesus being a light to the nations. I love this line, a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. Say to Jesus, Lord, fan my flame. You are the light of the world, says Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for these moments together. May you shine your light within us to make us new. And may your light be expressed through our works, through our words, even in the darkest circumstances, so that you get the glory. For Jesus' sake, amen.